Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. From Inside Hockey Magazine, Angie Carducci joins us right now on 93.7 The Fan. Angie, how are you? Hey there, Josh. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. And I imagine that these days, Marcus Pedersen's probably doing pretty good too. The (laughs) extension for him, five-year contract extension, average annual value of just over $4 million. It seems like not just the move itself to get a guy like Patterson, a guy that young who's playing that well at that good of a cap figure, it just seems like a win on so many levels for the Penguins this deal. Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, it sounds like Jim Rutherford really made kind of a handshake deal with Marcus Patterson before the season, extending him just this year and said, okay, we'll get a long-term deal done with you during the season. And he's delivered on that promise. And by doing that, he's really locked in the Penguins' top four defensemen. He has two really good pairs in Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin as his top pair. And the second pair, I think, has been a little bit of a surprise. You have Marcus Patterson, who has meshed really well with John Marino, who has somewhat come out of nowhere to be a, a really fantastic surprise for the Penguins. So they feel they have those four now locked down. And for the foreseeable future, that's going to be their top four. So uh, looking at locking in Pedersen for five years, I, I think they feel really confident in those four going forward. Jack Johnson has been better for them this year as a fifth. They have Yusa Rikula or Chad Ruido as you know, six sort of depth defensemen. And I, I think they can probably feel pretty comfortable at this point in the knowledge that Justin Schultz is probably going to walk as an unrestricted free agent this summer. I, I don't think they were ever going to probably match what he was going to get this summer. And no, I think they aren't going to be too worried about that. Now, with that said, Angie, as we talk about the defensive side of it, let's move up to the front end. Um, Jim Rutherford talked with uh, one of our colleagues, Josh Yoey, about what he's looking for as far as possible trade targets, and it looks like all signs point to him wanting a top six forward. And it it says this much, knowing that you have Sidney Crosby returning from injury, knowing you have Evgeny Malkin, who's been kind of shouldering that load a lot throughout the course of the season when he's been healthy, but that need of a top six forward without Jake Gensel it does leave a certain kind of player that they're looking for, in your opinion, as far as players who might be upcoming free agents or players who might have a couple years left in their contract. And it seems like Jim Rutherford pointing to he's not really really to discriminate between the two. What kind of guys fit that profile as far as what they may be looking for in a possible trade? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I felt that they could use that top six depth even before the Jake Gensel injury, because you just never know and you can never have enough wingers like that if if someone goes cold or if you do have an injury, especially when you have players like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin as your top two centers. 
you really need guys who can complement players like that. So uh, with Jake Gensel going out long-term, it's really created a gap there and, and a real need for them. So they're, they're definitely looking for a top six winger at this point. Jim Rutherford isn't shy about saying that he's out there looking at the market. Uh, what I thought was interesting is he has usually shown a propensity to go for players with some term. This time he has said it, it, sometimes it's good if you get a player who's not locked in long term so I would be considered uh, I would consider looking at a player that didn't have term that was just really a rental and he talked about the fact that he would consider dealing his first round pick this year which I think you know, honestly he should consider looking at that this year because this team is worth it this team has the way they've battled through those injuries, it, it really has the feel of a special team that could contend this year. So he wants to give them every opportunity to do that. And he wants to bring in a player who is that kind of player that can mesh with what they have and potentially put them over the top. So he's looking for a fast player, a skilled player, someone who can mesh with those top two lines. And I think what he's looking for is a player who plays with speed and can play sort of a straight ahead style. So a, a player that whose name comes up a lot is a player like Chris Kreider from the New York Rangers. I don't know if the Rangers will consider dealing in division or not. If the Penguins are willing to top up, talk about their first round pick, perhaps the Rangers are, are happy to listen to that. So, uh, you know, the Penguins have indicated they're willing to consider that. So I, I think that's an interesting prospect for them. I, I hear it on the Penguin side all the time, but I never hear the Rangers uh, side talking about dealing Chris Kreider here. So not sure if uh, they're willing to consider that or not. Jason Zucker from the Minnesota Wild, not sure if he's going to be on the move or not. Not sure if Bill Guerin wants to sell his players, but if he does, that's a player whose name is constantly mentioned as being a good fit for the Penguins. And they thought so as far back as summer. If Bill Kessel had approved that trade to Minnesota, he would have been here by now. So that's another player who's on their radar. And then there are players out there who are, are clearly going to be moved at the deadline, like uh, you know players like Tyler Toffoli, who could potentially be a good fit for that, that kind of player they're looking for. So, so uh, I think there are a lot of players that could fit that mold and would fit well with what they're trying to do. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But I, I think it's pretty clear that he's looking to make a pretty big splash. Angie Carducci, Inside Hockey Magazine, joins me right now on 93.7 The Fan. Angie, let's go back about a week and a half because it seems like this break has been forever for the All-Star break. They've already had seven uh, days off. But let's go back to two Sundays ago in Boston or excuse me, at, I should say at home against Boston, um, you wrote a story about the win against the Bruins. You called it a character win for this team. And as the schedule flips ahead to the end of January going into February, Philly at home Friday, Washington on the road early next week, and then Tampa and the Panthers, as far as character wins go, that might be able to, I should say, a character win like that, If you if, if you're looking at, just how the week unfolded afterwards with the loss at Philly. How much more important is it to see efforts like we saw on Sunday, even though they might not have started out as strong, but they at least played a stronger 60 minutes the way through, knowing you're home against Philly and then going through Washington and through Florida on the road? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they respond because that, that break really came at a great time for them. They they looked so flat against Philly right before the break. They just looked like they had nothing, and they were really out of gas. And the players didn't want to hear that as an excuse. But if you looked on the ice, it, it was pretty clear that they were exhausted. And they, they have every reason to be. They played really hard. They should be really proud of how they played the first half of the season given all of the injuries and all of the extra minutes and, and extra responsibilities a lot of these players have had to pick up. So not surprising. They looked like they were out of gas. I'm sure they actually were out of gas. So hopefully the break was well-timed for them. Interested to see how they pick it up against Philly, which should be a very high-intensity game for them on Friday. And then they haven't seen Washington yet this year. So uh, see how they respond against them. And, and Tampa, of course, is, is consistently a threat and a Stanley Cup contender. So they have a few really big games coming up, and, and they'll need to come out with those kinds of efforts like they did against Boston. That up until that point against Philly, which was just really a big letdown game, has really been their hallmark this year, those sort of character wins responding against, you know, they, they can be down by a few goals, and this is a team that's just never out of it. They constantly find a way to bounce back and respond within a game or really just, just within even a period of hockey. They're a team that you can never count out this season, and I think that's been the most impressive thing about them. So it, it's a team that's just responded really well, and Mike Sullivan can't speak highly enough about that and their leadership this year. So I'm interested to see if they get back to that, which I have no reason to think they won't. It's been what they've shown all year up until that last game. Angie Carducci, Inside Hockey Magazine. Check out her work at InsideHockey.com. She joins me right now on 93.7 The Fan. Um, Angie, I wanted to talk about the midseason awards. You and I talked about Mike Sullivan um, being named the uh, Jack Adams midseason award winner for coach of the year at the midway point. But there's a couple other awards that they talked about as well. One of them, the Calder Trophy, and one name that was not seen in the top three was John Marino. What more could we see from John Marino that either should maybe remind us that he should have been there or what could push him toward the top end of that list in the second half of the season? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was it was hard, you know, for me looking at, at that list and, and what players could be on that top three. It, it's hard to leave John Marino off because he's had such an impressive season. There's a lot of defensemen on the top of that list this year, young rookie defensemen really making an impact. But I, I think the unfortunate thing for John Marino is that he, he just – when you look at points, you're kind of looking at rookies that have dazzled with a lot of points, and he, he just hasn't had the point totals that have put him up there. So I'm not sure that he's going to land in that top three. I think he might be a really solid number four. Unfortunately, I think he probably uh, stands a good chance of finishing at that number four spot and, and not ending up in the top three running for the Calder Trophy, but he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. He's been an incredible surprise, but I, I think what speaks very highly to John Marino's game is that in not amassing the sheer number of points that some of the other players who are in that conversation have, he has shown himself to be a better all-around player. He, he, the words you consistently hear about John Marino is that he plays with such poise. He plays like, like such a more seasoned veteran defenseman than what you would expect of a player his age and of his experience. So the Penguins have really benefited from that and have benefited from a two-way game that he's able to play. So he's not more of a one-dimensional player who's 
putting up the point totals that are dazzling and ending him in award discussions. But I think if he could, could end with the Penguins, you know, contending this year, I think he probably wouldn't mind that a bit. Andrew, before we let you go, I want to shift to a more international type discussion here. Team USA for the 2020 national team has a new general manager, Chris Drury, gets the nod. Wanted to get your thoughts on, on that appointment. Yeah, Team USA has definitely been drawing from a, from a lot of, uh, you know, stars that we've seen play on the international stage prior for, uh, for them. So it, it's interesting to see them evolve into those roles. As you see in the NHL, they, they evolve into these sort of general manager and president positions. So Chris Drury has had uh, experience being a winner everywhere he's ever been. And I, I'm not surprised to see him evolve into that role. Um, I, I'm interested to see what Team USA does in terms of their personnel. I feel like for the past number of years, they have erred on the side of going more defensively oriented when really they, they just need to go for it and, and go for players that can contribute offensively that can play sort of that penguin style of playing straight ahead fast and you know focusing on scoring goals and I, I think that's how you win internationally so uh, curious to see what style I haven't read anything from him to see what, what Chris Drury is planning to uh, try to do as far as the approach but it, it will be interesting to see if he thinks there needs to be a shift toward that because I think that's what the USA needs to do fundamentally is a little bit of a shift in their philosophy to compete. Andrew, great stuff as always. Good to talk to you again. We'll do it again soon. Hey, thanks, Josh. Angie Carducci.